Today's scripture reading is from Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him, sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know who we are, and that we may encourage your hearts. And, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that there has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the living word of God for us today. And a special thank you to the Penner family who drew the short straw and probably got the hardest passage to read with, uh, with these names to pronounce. Y'all did awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Y'all, you know, I mentioned we, we're just in our service, but we, we have planned uh, this service a certain way for, for, for a very specific reason. And I want you to know you know, after the message, we end Colossians. And so there is an, an ending that we think is very appropriate and right for us to end with after this message. And so uh, this, as I walk through these final verses, I'll be moving us uh, toward that ending. And speaking of endings, Rob and I, by the way, when we were looking at how to teach this passage, this was one of those passages where neither one of us wanted to get it because when you read it, you know, it's almost like, okay, there's this in Colossians, there's chapter four, all the way to six, it's prayer. And then it's just like, okay, he just names these people. It's like a hodgepodge of names. It's like, like a little catch up and he jots a little note at the end. And uh, I tell you, while we, we didn't want to get it, I'm so glad I did. And I say that because what Paul says here, quite frankly, as in any communication, you know, that the ending matters. Uh, how you start and how you end. That's where all the energy goes in communication. And you know, think of a concert you go to and all it goes into the beginning and then all it goes into the finale. And this is a finale that is not a whimper, you all, but it is a bang and it holds some key lessons. And quite frankly, those that Paul, he, he gets in because he does not want us to miss nor forget these lessons. Now I'm gonna move through this uh, rather quickly, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to offer these lessons to us, then we will respond as we wrap up the book 
itself. Uh, there's three categories <laughs> that, that Paul works or gives us here. They're, they're, verses seven through nine, he speaks, he speaks of his messengers. I'm going to grab that. And then in verses 10 to 14, he goes uh, to his co-workers. He got messengers, co-workers. And then there's the, the, the back end is his final charge. That's verses 15 and 16. So those are the three categories we're going to work through. And I'll offer a lesson from each one that he does not want us to forget. Start there in your Bibles in Colossians chapter four. We're, we're in the last 12, 11 verses. Um, pick up in verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Boy, there's three characteristics of this man that, that Paul, Paul holds up to say, this is, this is why I'm giving him the letter to bring you. He says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Here's a purpose clause, that he may encourage your hearts. He's bringing this letter and news of me. And he's got coming alone and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. He's a Colossian, maybe why Paul paired him up with um, Tychicus to bring the letter. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Um, Y'all, Tychicus and Onesimus boiled down were, in this instance, mail carriers. They, they were delivering a package. And, uh, you know, in our days of coronavirus, you know, that, that's become like a frontline hero. But, you know, in, in normal days, we don't think of those who deliver the package as important as what's in the package or who sent the package, do we? And yet, Paul is speaking here a principle that is true of all times. The letter that they brought to the Colossian church is essential to their faith as false teachers were coming in. And here we are, you know, some 2,000 years removed. Y'all, we look and we read, we were reading this letter that those two men delivered. I mean, they, they had to travel to deliver that letter to that church. And it leads me to, I'm going to offer, a, a, I'm going to give you like four principles or lessons of faith. I think that Paul is embedded in these passages. And the first one is this, in the work of the kingdom, there are no small parts when we, when we all do our part. In the work of the kingdom, there are no small parts when we all do our part. You know, kingdom work is, is our life and but, it, but it's often the, the, the menial things that we're not paying attention to or we don't think that's that significant, we don't think that's that important, that, that, that carry great importance. Every, everything holds weight when done in the name of Christ. I love what Scottish Bible teacher Alexander McLaren wrote, and this is you know, back in the mid-1800s. He said this, quote, What have big and little to do with things that are indispensable. Now think about that. When, when something's indispensable, it's, it's neither big nor little. It's indispensable. And every part of whatever that is, is indispensable. Was the delivery of the letter, was the carrying of the letter to the Colossians uh, any less indispensable than the writing? Could, could Onesimus and uh, uh, Tychicus have written the letter? No, they weren't apostles. They couldn't have written the letter. Well, could, could Paul have written and delivered the letter? No, he's in jail. And so you see, it, it required both. 
It required both Paul's entrusting of his letter to Tychicus and Onesiphus in the grand scheme of things. You go, that's just a little, yeah, I'll take the letter. No, it's, it's immeasurably significant. And immeasurable lives, innumerable lives have been shaped by its message. I'll say it again, in the work of the kingdom, there are no small parts when we all do our part. Let me go to the second one. That's his messengers. Let's go to his co-workers. There's two categories here, but co-workers in verses 10 to 14. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, by the way, that literal prisoner with him, not like a prisoner of Christ, but was in jail with him. And Mark, uh, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Paul takes these three men, I'll get to Epaphras in a moment, takes these three men and says, you know, these, when he says men of the circumcision, he's saying these, these are the only three Jewish people who've come to faith and who, who, who work alongside me. And he says that they've been a, a comfort to him. The word comfort, it, it's, um, it's what one feels, it's what one feels in, it's, it's feeling consoled when you're disappointed. So, so, so when, you're, when you're down, it's the comfort that consoles and lifts you in that disappointment. Paul, you all, was not immune to, uh, to disappointment. And I'm talking deep disappointment as he went about the kingdom of God. I want to quote another. This is a, an uh, Episcopal bishop. Uh, from the mid-1800s as well, um, Philip Brooks. But let, let me just read this and listen to what he says. Quote, to be a true minister to men is always to accept new happiness and new distress. The man who gives himself to other men can never be a wholly sad man, but no more can he be a man of unclouded gladness. To him shall come with every deeper consecration a before untasted joy. But in the same cup shall be mixed a sorrow that it was beyond his power to feel before. End quote, which leads me to a second lesson I suggest Paul is buried within these words. In the kingdom, in the work of the kingdom, we accept new happiness and new distress. I'm just quoting from Brooks here. In the work of the kingdom, we accept new happiness and new distress. And y'all, this is the strange paradox of faith that has tripped me up for years, and I think it will trip me up until my grave. That when you choose... To, to live for Christ, Christ at the center of your whole life, and therefore you're living for the kingdom. You have now uh, welcomed new happinesses that you would never know. But please note, you have invited new distresses, quite frankly, that you would never know should you choose not to follow Christ. He will give you relationships that bring you joy you could never imagine. And by the way, in the same way, he will put in your life relationships that will break your heart in ways you wish 
could never have been broken. This is the work of the kingdom. This is the courageously real of the faith. And then Paul mentions this man. I want to note Epaphras, Epaphras, I'm sorry, this guy who founded the church. But note what he says of the guy who founded the church at Colossae. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Y'all, here's the the, the man who planted the church. He's an, an Epaphras who planted the church. You're only there because of Epaphras. No, he says an Epaphras who prays for you. I, th- this, is the, this is the impetus and the heart, you all, behind our own desire to be a people of prayer and why we've, we've done these seasons of prayer, very intentional, planned, and, and teaching us to pray such that our hope is that we'll always continue to pray, not just when we're in this season where you're you know, getting a text, but those things equip us to pray. And I want you to note how he prays, just three quick things. It was continuous. It was never, always praying. It was difficult, always struggling in his prayer. Agonizomai, from which we get agony. He agonized in prayer. And y'all, it was spiritual in focus. This is so helpful. You know, it's not that we don't pray for, you know, tangible, like physical needs and health and those things, but note that he agonized in prayer that they would stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. That's not, hey, I'm praying you know God's will, whether you should do this, buy this, move, do this. No, know all the will of God. And what is the will of God? Our sanctification. The, the, the weight of his agony was Christ being formed in them and through them and such must our prayers be as well. Let me go to the last part, Paul's final charge. So we looked at you know, the messenger, the co-workers, and he's got this final charge, and I'm going to grab two lessons out of here, verses 15 and 16. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from the Laodicea. By the way, just let me say this. They, we, we think, can't know dogmatically, that the letter that they needed to read from Laodicea is probably the, the letter of Ephesians, okay? Or it could be a lost letter. We think it may be Ephesians. And then this word to an individual, and say to Archippus, you know, what brought Archippus to his mind? I don't know, but the Spirit did. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And then Paul ends by writing with his own signature, kind of like, this is from me. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. He sends greetings here to these churches. And I want you to note that there was a church meeting in a house, and it was the house of Nympha. And um, it, it would be 200 years, you see, two to 300 years before churches had buildings and they would meet like, like we do. And of course, it might not be this big. And so you see the church is birthed in homes and, and he speaks to that church, you know, in her home. And by the way, this speaks directly to us. Um, Carrie mentioned it, I want to say it here. You know, we, we have been in a, a, a phasing in of coming back to on-campus worship. You all, the... Um, you know, the, 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 the phase one we said was going to be the month of May. We're online, in which we are online. 
But we're making a shift right now. And, and I, I, I want you to know that we're, this is the way we're planning and, and we'll be planning even worship services is that we step into June so that next week, we're gonna be online the month of June, but we're gonna be online in a very specific way. And that is we're inviting you to worship through the month of June in homes. And what, what I mean by that, it's different maybe than what you're doing now is to gather with your fellowship group or part of your fellowship group or your Bible study group, or your discipleship group, or a small group of neighbors, but gather with others. If you feel, so, if you feel comfortable doing that, uh, to, to, to gather as a home church. And when we lead and serve and, 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 and worship with you, we'll, we'll be keeping that in mind, that there's a small, there are small groups of people gathered in homes. And so the month of June is our phase two, and that is that we are worshiping in homes with others, which is exactly what Paul is speaking of here. And may I say, I want to thank you for your, your uh, kind processing of us getting back together. Y'all, we all want to be back together. Um, and, 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 you know, there, there's a huge spectrum between those who are like, why aren't we, why did we ever stop meeting <laughs> to, um, I, I'm not going to be comfortable coming back until there's a vaccine. Let me tell you something. That's the body, that, and that's our body at fellowship. And uh, where, I, where I pray and where we pray that, that we would hold each other in this is with the, with the, the, the mindset of, um, you know, it's what we were made for in that series. Uh, we're made to love God and love our neighbor. And may that be exhibited in how we hold each other with holding in different places that we would look at one another. And this question, I hope, would come to our minds. Um, is my response a love of God and neighbor? You know, wherever you are on here, you know, am I gonna speak to others or respond to others out of love of God and love my neighbors? You know, what, you know, what, think about this, what, when you're figuring out how to live during the pandemic, here's a good question to ask. What's best for my neighbor? For that's loving God and loving them. Thanks for your patience with us in that. And, and we look forward to worshiping in our homes through the month of June in a, in a sense, in that home church. Then he has this word for archippus. Let me uh, end here. Um, he says to archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, let me boil it down. Finish what you started, archippus. Or finish what God gave you to do. <laughs> and, and it gives us this lesson. In the work of the kingdom, it's how you finish, not how you start. In the work of the kingdom, it's how you finish, not how you start. Um, I turned 60 this last, this, this weekend, I turned 60. And just saying that sounds so weird to me. I mean, because it sounds so old. I'm joining those of you in, in your 60s and beyond, but you know, that's a, that's a marker to me. I mean, I, I feel that. I had some amazing conversations with um, Darden and Jordan and my family and friends. And, you know, birthdays are a time of reflection. And, you know, for me, this is, this is big time reflection and appropriately so. Um, the, and you know, this is, this is true of all of us, you know, with every, with every birthday and, and we don't even know what the next day holds. So the next day could be our death. But if we're, if we're going by actuarial tables, we're saying, you know, I don't know, 70 plus, you know, if you get to 80, wow. But you know, at 60 for sure, you know, I'm closer to my end than I am my beginning. And that has a way of focusing me and focusing us as we get older. And that's an awesome, good thing. Because you recognize, I don't have the time I thought I may once have. I don't have the capacities maybe that I thought I once have. And it, 
it makes me think of finish, finish. And wherever you are, uh, age-wise or spiritual maturity-wise or season of life, fulfill the ministry, the Lord, that fulfill the ministry that you receive from the Lord. Fulfill it, finish it. You say, well, well, I don't know what ministry I've received from the Lord. I can tell you two things about it. Number one, it's what's in front of you. It's what's there. What, it's there. That, that's the ministry. That's your service. That's all the word means. That's your service. What's there? And the second thing I can say this, say about it is, it has to do with people. Ultimately, it has to do with people. Not things. Which brings me to this fourth lesson. In the work of the kingdom, people matter most. In the work of the kingdom, people matter most. In the work of the kingdom, people matter most. Paul's ended his treatise, you know, in Colossians on the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ. And he ends this amazing doctrinal, you know, powerhouse by naming 11 people, by naming names, as if to remind us, yes, Jesus is at the center of all things. And at the center of all things, our relationships, our people. It reminds me, honestly, why, why life is so awesome and so painful because it's the people that matter most, which is how we'll end our time. I've got, you've got a chat box if you're on the website or if you're on Facebook and if you're on, on YouTube or something, maybe you could pick up your phone and go to one of those because we're people who are together we are literally together now spiritually. And I'm gonna ask you to do something that is an act of worship. Quite frankly, it's, a, it's, it's a following the model of Paul. And I'm gonna ask you to fill out a little uh, Mad Lib. You know, we have a blank and a word, a blank and a word. And I'm gonna give you this phrase and just invite you to do this for the good of the body. This is, you're gonna be doing this for your neighbor, okay? Um, in that little phrase, all you would put is you'd put the name of a person. It would be like John is, and then a character trait or two, John is kind and faithful. And then it ends with, and by blank, and by whatever he does, whatever she does, excuse me, has encouraged my heart. By, it would be, you know, John is kind and faithful, and by uh, helping me Helping me in my yard last week has encouraged my heart. That's just modeled after Paul's words as he names these names. And I want you in the chat box over the next 10 minutes, 15, as we wrap up. And you can do more than one. Why don't you tell the body of those whom you couldn't make it without? Because Paul couldn't do what he did without those named and many unnamed. And I want to invite you to name those for our body. Father, thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. May these final words by your spirit pierce us in such a way that we know in the kingdom there are no small parts when we do our part. That in the kingdom, we would accept the happiness and the distress in the work of the kingdom, Lord, we would finish, 
we would finish well and we would live in such a way that our lives demonstrate we know people matter most, we ask in Christ's name, amen. We believe he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of